Amen. Thank you, ladies. Great job and a great song. That'll. Uh, I was ready to preach already, but now I'm even more feeling ready and fired up. That was that was great. And uh, we had uh, on the the technical side of things, we had one job to do uh, with that song, and uh, that was to make sure that uh, Tate's mic worked. So uh, we accomplished that. Well done, Joel. Poor Tate had her mic through no fault of her own conk out the last time she sang. I was downstairs, and so we wanted to make sure that worked. Well, I sure appreciate you being here. Sure appreciate each teen and others who've had a part in the service. And uh, I echo what Pastor John said. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Good to be here tonight. And uh, I'm excited to get to dig into the Word with you. Before we dig into uh, the Bible, dig into our message for tonight, just want to mention a couple of the exciting things that God's doing in, in our teen ministry, just activities-wise. Uh, it was just uh, last weekend we were able to go uh, visit the McGregor's neighbors, actually. And uh, they, they have a beautiful spread there, a beautiful farm. And uh, Miss Jen and I had met that couple, the Bodleys, uh, a couple weeks before on a different activity. And uh, we were able to take the teens on a hike and uh, go over a creek was the theory. Um, on a rope and on a zip line, a couple people missed the over part and uh, did get a little wet. But uh, we had a great time there and a picnic and just spending some good time together. And uh, even afterward tonight, we get to do what we call an afterglow which uh, we love the opportunity to invite different teens that maybe don't typically come to services. Uh, a lot of the times we'll see them come to those activities and uh, just get to spend some good time together. I will say we've got some delicious taco meat in a crock pot downstairs, so if you can smell it cooking, uh, sorry, you still have to pay attention to my message, but if you sneak downstairs afterward, we'll try to score you a taco, so feel free to grab that. And then uh, on June 19th, just a little less than a month away, we're looking forward to going to the uh, Awaken Youth Conference at Faith Baptist Church up in uh, Fredericksburg, just over Lake Anna. Pastor John and I have been to the church. I've, I've heard uh, the pastor of the church, Pastor Kurt Skelly, preached many times, a godly man, great guy. And he'll be one of the speakers. I believe Kenny Baldwin is another one. And then uh, a man named Dean Miller, who I've heard nothing but good things about. And I've never heard him preach. Very much looking forward to hearing him preach there as well. And the teens are getting excited about that. And then teen camp. Boy, it was hard not going to teen camp last year. Last summer, uh, we're looking forward to VBS. And VBS and teen camp, those were two things that really hit hard and having to not have those last summer. And we're excited about both of those this year. And teen camp will be in July, the 12th to the 17th. Excited to uh, hear from the director as he preaches next Sunday morning. And uh, our camp speaker is evangelist Tom Farrell. And he's a man who was very influential in Miss Jen's life as a teen even, as she was going to camp then as a teenager. And he's been a blessing uh, both through his online ministry, me listening to some different sermons and uh, hearing them in person to both of us as adults. And uh, we're, we're pumping them up. We're, we're excited to hear Brother Tom Farrell preach and telling the teens all about him and uh, really even things that God's doing in his life personally right now. And we're very much looking forward to that. Excited to go to teen camp and come right back and have the week of VBS prep and get excited about that. I love that prep week because we get to, to prayerfully and put our hands to the work in, in getting ready for VBS and then getting to do that. So a lot to be excited about throughout the church. A lot God is doing in our teen ministry. Appreciate all of your prayers and many of you who are involved as well. Looking forward to all of those things. Now, I'll be honest, you can put up my title slide. Our title of our message is, uh, If You're Happy and You Know It. And I wanted to capture happiness in a picture. Looked at several different pictures from a couple of websites that have stock photos and all. Had to go with a kid. I don't know that kid. He's not my nephew. I don't, I don't have any idea. He just captures what I'm going for with the Bible open and everything. 
And you might be thinking, okay, if you're happy and you know it, what? I was talking to Joel about uh, my message beforehand, and, and we were talking through, well, if you're happy and you know it, finish the sentence. Anybody thinking clap your hands? Anybody thinking stomp your feet? Um, and amen. I, I've heard a different version. We always say amen. One of our favorite videos that will pop up each year on Facebook memories is of Addison when she was about less than two, I believe, about a year and a half old, this little white onesie thing. And uh, she's in an apartment we lived at in Texas for a short time. And, and she's doing all of those motions and singing it to her little 18-month-old uh, heart's desire. And uh, we love doing that. But I think a lot of us leave that down there at the you know, 18 months, two year, okay, yeah, we should be happy as a Christian, but well, I've got joy on the inside. And I was planning to mention this later, but I think you'll, you'll get the illustration. If you've got the joy, 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 joy down in your heart, that's a good place to start. Do you guys know that song? I, I sang that part to the teens, and I actually even sang it at that hike last week. And then I paused for the teens to answer, and I got nothing. Now, we were hiking, and so that might have been part of it, or I sang bad, I don't know. But we'll try it with you guys, see if you guys know the next word. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. Got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And then you can go, and I'm so happy, and all of that. Thank you for little participation. I got nothing from the teens. They just either were thinking about something else or wondering why their youth pastor was so weird. I don't know. And I love that song, and I'm not saying anything against that. I've got the joy, joy, joy. But at the same time, I think that's where a lot of us think that the only place that our joy is supposed to be is deep down in our heart. But if it's deep down in our heart, it should be showing. And if it's not showing, you got to wonder if it's really there. So it was uh, two months ago, one of my main points was on enduring with joy. Now, I'm not up here to say that if you're a Christian, if you're living for God, everything's going to be rosy circumstances and nice and easy. There's some things that end up needing to be endured. But we can do it with joy. We can do it with joy that bursts forth into happiness. Pastor John this morning uh, mentioned the, uh, the children's song, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. And I thought that, that goes right along with what we're talking about. I think I'll mention another children's song or two as we go here. I love children's music. It's lots of fun. And we sing them with the girls and all the time. But boy, it should be something that shows. Because if we're like, hey, you should want our Savior. He can impact our, our lives. And we're just a bunch of sourpusses. Well, they don't want that output, that, that impact. But if we're showing that we've got something that means so much to us, yes, it'll bring us to church on a Sunday night. It'll bring us to church on a, a Sunday morning. It'll encourage us to share our faith, but it'll also impact us to the point where we can be happy no matter what it brings, what life brings. That's awesome. It was last month at this Next Generation service I had the privilege to preach on complaining. Well, really not complaining. Uh, and, and the fact that we don't need to complain because God's bigger, he's in control, he's so good. And this month, I felt led to just take it almost that step further. Yeah, we can endure with joy. We can have the joy on the inside. We don't need to complain, but we can have some happiness coming out. And like last month, I bragged on myself that, that you know, I'm good at complaining. I'm good at letting circumstances get me down. Or maybe deep down somewhere in there, there's some joy that I get that God's in control, but I'm not showing it to anybody around me. And this is a message that God's really impacted my life through as well. So... Won't do much with the uh, if you're happy and you know it song, uh, the rest of the message, but I hope it'll be a base for our, our, our whole message and a base for our thoughts about this, really as we go through the next days and weeks, where we'll think, okay, God's done everything for me. I'm on my way to heaven and I've got him with me now. I should be happy. And if I'm happy and I know it, 
You fill in the blank for you. A little later in the message, we'll turn to the book of Acts. I won't steal your thunder when you get, for when you get there in a few weeks, Pastor John. But uh, we'll be looking at Paul and Silas in shackles at midnight singing. They're happy through the worst. And they knew it. And the jailer knew it. The other prisoners knew it. Everyone with an earshot knew it. Now, maybe you belting out a song tomorrow about noon at work would be a little weird depending on where you work. That might not be what you do. But boy, allow that happiness that's in there, that joy, that, that blessedness that the Bible describes to come on out. That's something I need to be mindful of, and I think we all do as well. Joy is, should be so full that it shows up. In just a bit, again, we'll look at Acts 16. We'll look at the Isaiah passage that Dylan read just a bit ago first. But even before we do that, I wanted to turn to Psalm 42. And that's not up on the screen or anything. But if you want, go ahead and turn to Psalm 42. We're just going to read the first five verses because it gives such a great basis for this message and for this idea. You can tell we're looking at a few different passages. I won't keep you long. We'll be fairly short. But Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. It says, as the heart or as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, my, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. So right away, backdrop of this is not easy circumstances. It's not, well, yeah, that person can be happy because everything's wonderful. No, there's tears night and day. While they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone, I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that keep holy day, that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And as we spend time with the help of his countenance, it can affect our countenance. It can affect our being. People should be able to tell, wow, they're so close to Jesus that no matter what life throws at them, they got joy inside that's bubbling out. They got something that I want. And it's amazing. Christians that'll do that can not only draw the lost to want to hear about their Savior, but they can encourage the saved. Wow, okay, I'm a Christian. I got the same blessed hope that you've got, but I'm focused on the other stuff. Maybe I'm complaining about it, like we talked about a month ago. And they can even be an encouragement. Still remember, I talked about this guy to the teens all the time, but a guy, an older gentleman that we knew in South Carolina who was just about the happiest Christian you'd ever meet. Always an encouragement to be around. And then he got cancer. Didn't know whether he was going to live or die, undergoing treatments. And right then, those weeks, those months, he was about the happiest guy you would ever meet. I mean, absolutely made a difference. God healed him, and he's still about the happiest guy. But God used that in such a huge way in my life, as well as the basketball players that he coached and others that he was around, made a huge impact by just having that relationship with God, having that joy that he's focused on on the inside and allowing it to come on out. Such an amazing blessing. We don't have to be cast down, as verse 5 says. We, we can, don't have to be disquieted, no matter how disquieted the world around us is. We should have genuine joy that can't be contained inside. Christianity is about enjoying what we get to do, or at the very least, enjoying who we get to do it with. And there have been days that I'm glad I don't have to relive 
There have been circumstances that I'm glad are over, I'll be honest with you, and things I wouldn't wish on anybody, and I'm sure we all have them. I've had a wonderful life, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I'm sure we've all got things that we could mark on some calendar maybe even years ago, and we're glad that was years ago. We're glad that was done, or we're glad it might be over soon, but no matter what's going on, we can have that joy that's bubbling out in us. It can be about enjoying the journey, not just fulfilling the duty. If we'll show, and that's actually an evangelist podcast, um, an evangelist Scott Polly, his podcast each day is called Enjoying the Journey. And he's been through some good times and some bad times. But uh, at the same time, if we'll live in a way that's enjoying the journey, and especially enjoying who we get to walk with on this journey, that's going to be infectious. That's going to help fellow Christians that we're around, and that's going to make non-Christians in our lives sit up and want what we have. They, they might not want to listen about how good our Savior is until our lives are showing that we really, on a daily basis, believe that he's good. Let's pray, and we'll dig into uh, four quick points about this. Father God, you've given us so much. We won't take time right now to, to list off even, even a small part of the blessings that you've given us. I mean, we'll just, we can just mention salvation, the cross, your death, burial, and resurrection, your free gift of eternity with you, and life with you right now, and that's enough. But you give us so many other things. I pray for that joy deep within, no matter what circumstances bring. But I pray that we'll get so close to you that that'll be coming out and encouraging Christians around us and, and drawing unsaved people to want to pay attention as we share the gospel with them. Pray that you'll use it. Please use me. Use this message. Thank you for the wonderful teens who have gotten involved tonight so far. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, first of all, happiness, it should just be natural for Christians. Happiness is often a natural thing. Now, maybe for you, you could relate to that at your favorite spot. Maybe it's a vacation spot. Coming into camping season. I believe it's this next weekend is a Memorial Day. Am I right on that? Is that this next weekend? First official camping weekend of the year for many people. And so maybe that's what you think of is, ah, it's finally camping season. Some will be happy because it's, I get to go to my happy place. Um, or maybe for you, it's the beach. I got to be honest, it's already a little hot. I brought a sweat rag this week. Uh, last month, I did not have myself a good cry. I, I, don't, I don't know. This hot weather doesn't make me want to go to the beach, but uh, I do enjoy the beach. But maybe for you, that's, that's where it is. But there are so many times where happiness is just the most natural thing in the world. You think of kids. Nothing wrong in that child's life, hopefully. Sometimes there is, but if there isn't, they're just happy. If, if you think of a lot of kids, if they're not happy, something's wrong. It's weird, and you're trying to fix the problem. I mean, maybe they're tired. Maybe they're having a bad attitude. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe it's hot. Maybe it's cold. Maybe it's this or that. But otherwise, they're, they're naturally happy. We should be naturally happy. And for Christians, it could be hot, cold, with circumstances. We could be going through something. But our God's in control. We can still have that happiness coming out. Happiness should be natural for us. As we look at Isaiah 40, uh, Dylan read kind of the end of this section. We're going to look at a good bit starting in verse 18, and we'll look quickly. But we'll look at many reasons why God is greater than things that normally would make people happy. A lot of times, happiness is just obvious. It's just natural. It's what people would seek to make them happy, but God's greater. First of all, as we look at verse 18, someone more powerful than we are is in control. God's in control. And you ever, are you the type of person that's happy when you're in control? Now, I don't mean in some negative way, but maybe you like to be the boss, or you like the situation to be going how you want. Put it the other way. 
Are you the type that gets pretty stressed when stuff's out of your control? Sign me up for that. Um, but at the same time, if there's a measure of control, maybe you're working on a car project and things are going right. There's happiness. Things go wrong, not so much. But this passage remind us, reminds us in a beautiful way that God's in control. So as much as it can be nice for everything to be neat and in order and go in the way we expect, and that can make us happy, we have even more reason to be happy because God's in control. Verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, trying to make some little them-sized God that they could control, thinking it's all under their control. And the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, making an idol, and cast his silver chains. He that is so that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. So trying to make something that they can make and thinking that if they'll just worship that fake God, everything will be good, the crops will be blessed, all of that. No, it's not about seeking some sort of false control for ourselves. Verse 21, have ye not known... Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and that inhabits thereof, the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Hopefully we would never try to seek control over our circumstances by making a false idol. But at the same time, do you ever grasp for control that belonged to God? It's been a thought and really a challenge that the Holy Spirit has, uh, I, I, to put it honestly, I would say he has spiritually smacked me upside the head with several times lately. Uh, I can be a little stubborn. My wife might say a lot stubborn. I don't know. But uh, I was sharing with a couple people recently. My, my grandfather, apparently, he, he passed away years ago, but he was apparently expelled from school because he wouldn't wear the PE uniform. Uh, I come from a stubborn breed. I, I can be stubborn. But uh, at the same time, we need to be willing to yield to God's control. I think I forgot where I was going with that. I apologize. But let's be willing to allow God to be the one in control. Yeah, the Holy Spirit smacked me upside the head. I'll remember where I'm going with that. To say, hey, Kent, I'm in control. You don't have to be. And I'll spend my time worrying, maybe complaining, maybe worrying away that joy over my lack of control. <laughs> right then, over my lack of control of memory of where I was going with the point. But... Uh, over how am I going to work this out? How is this going to happen? How am I going to do this? And God's like, you're not. I am. Oh, okay. And I'll just, a lot of times, at those moments, I'll be able to just say, hey, God, you let me know what my part is. You let me know anything you want me to do in this. But I'm going to rest in the fact that you're in control. You're the creator. You're the one that stretches out the heavens as a curtain. You've got this situation. Next, we see that God's position is more important than our earthly positions. Sometimes, if you get that raise, or you finally get to that position, that's when it's easy to think of being happy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. But a lot of times we'll think, wow, earthly position, that would bring happiness. That could bring such happiness. God's position, the fact that he's the creator, is so much more important. We can be happy no matter what our earthly authority, our earthly power, our earthly position is. Verse 23 says about God, that bringeth the princes, big position there, to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity, as nothing. Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, shall, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he, also shall, uh, he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. 
Our Heavenly Father is always with us, as we see in verse 25. His presence is constant, so we can be happy. How many children just want mommy or daddy? Little babies crying at night, and it's not because anything is wrong other than they want the presence of mom or dad. Well, our Heavenly Father is always with us. We can be happy as Christians. Verse 25 says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal? saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest thou, Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? In other words, why are you acting like I'm not here, like I don't see what's going on? You may have felt that way before. I have felt that way before, but I've never been right about it. I've felt before in moments of discouragement that God didn't see what was going on in my life or that God didn't care. But he is there, he is with us, he sees, he knows, and he can do something about it. And if he isn't doing something about it yet, it's because he's got an even better plan. Continuing in the verse, my judgment is passed over for my God. In other words, you're saying God just skipped you when he was deciding what was best. No. Verse 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. God sees what's going on. He knows exactly what our struggles might be. Digging into last month, he knows exactly what we'd be tempted to complain about. We don't need to complain. He's with us. And maybe you're like me, and it still brings a huge measure of happiness to just be around your mom and dad. Mine live about three hours away, and uh, don't see them as often as I might like to. But there's just a measure of happiness to seeing you folks. Or your, your family members, maybe you come home from work, you get to see your spouse, you get to see your kids. It's awesome. Just their presence makes happiness the most natural thing in the world. For us, we have God's presence always with us. He sees what's going on. We can enjoy that relationship, and happiness should be natural. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God's got strength to spare. As verse 29 puts it, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. If you've ever worked out a lot, trained for a football season, whatever, there's a certain happiness that comes in achieving physical strength. Certain happiness in maybe you're competitive and you're bigger and stronger than your brother or a teammate or someone else. Physical strength can bring happiness. Being strong enough to do the job that's in front of you can bring happiness. God's stronger. He gives power to the faint. He's the one that's never weary. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's got it. We can be happy because of his strength. I don't know about you. Some of the crazy circumstances we face, some of the crazy circumstances going on in our country, I ain't got it. I'm feeling more faint than strong. I'm not good enough. So happiness can seem like the last thing on our minds, but it doesn't even tap the beginnings of God's strength. He's got it. If you're feeling faint, we can rest in him. We can still be happy no matter what. Things might get better in our country and in our world. Things might get worse. God's in control no matter what. And our trials are no trouble for God. God's blessings are even greater than the blessing of youth. And uh, you all come down to our teen activity afterward and try to convince the teens. My girls will be there, you know, five and six years old. You try to convince them in their youth how much a blessing youth is. 
I don't know that it'll go over very well. I don't know that you'll be able to. But uh, those of you who have lost some youth, maybe lost a step physically, lost some strength, lost uh, some sleep, some hair, some whatever, you get that, uh, phys- that youth physically is such a blessing. But God's even better. Verse 30 says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. For wait on the Lord, spend time in his presence that we just celebrated a moment ago. That's such a reason for happiness that we have his presence. If we'll enjoy his presence, read the Bible, pray, listen to his Holy Spirit. Certainly at a set time each day, if you can, and, you know, maybe it is the exact same time or different times throughout the day, but then throughout each day, spend time with him in his presence. That's when we'll have the strength. We'll have the encouragement. Happiness can just be bursting out of us. Just just personal, on a personal note, I woke up uh, two, three mornings ago. I was tired. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. I don't know if I sound nasally or not. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. No fever. It's not COVID, I promise. But uh, at the same time, I just, I was grumpy. I think my wife was still asleep, thankfully, so I don't think she had to be, uh, you know, witness to my grumpiness. But uh, I I just was not feeling it that day. (laughs) Maybe you've been there. And I just spent time with God. I'm not even sure I wanted to. I'll just be honest. I don't remember the verses I read, but I remember it jumping off the page. I don't remember everything I prayed, but I remember such a sweet sense of the presence of God. He just directed in it. And it Gave me those wings as eagles. I I had a good day that day. Again, it was a few days ago. I went from just feeling faint, not feeling happy, to just spending a little time with God. And and there's no brag on me. I didn't do anything other than go through the routine of spending time with God. But he met me in such a special way. And that's what he wants to do for us as well. Each day, we can go from, man, everything's wrong. and The last thing I want to do is focus on joy or happiness. Show other people happiness. They need to show me some happiness. I need them to do for me to, wow, God, you've given me so much. I don't care what the world's got for me. I'm going to bring them a happiness that, that they need from you because of everything you've done. Happiness should be natural. Second, dark times, they really don't cancel the opportunity for happiness. And you can turn over to Acts chapter 16, and we'll actually be starting in verse 16 in just a moment. I know that's a pretty big jump, but the more I studied these two passages, the more I wanted to put them together into this message. And we'll look quickly at Paul and Silas singing at midnight there. They went through some dark times, some literal persecution for sharing their faith. Dark times, and then it's literally midnight when we uh, get to kind of the climax of our story in many ways. But they were able to have a happiness, again, not because they were crazy, <laughs> not because they was, there was some way that they enjoyed the, the physical torment they were in and the horrible abuse, but because they had an inner happiness, an inner blessedness, an inner sense of, wow, we're doing this for God, we're with God in this, he's with us, that they were going to be happy no matter what. God has given us so many blessings in his never-stopping presence. He's given us opportunities to be happy, to celebrate his blessings, even during dark times. So we're just going to go through these verses here quickly, and then we'll go on in the story after that. I'm just going to make just a couple quick comments as we go to give us some background. In verse 16 of Acts 16, it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. 
Sadly, the demon-possessed girl got it more than uh, others, but uh, not in the right way. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Paul does a good thing, helps this girl. Good things to be excited about. But as it is with a lot of spiritual victory today, wasn't seen as a good thing because it stepped on some toes, messed some plans up, verse 19. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They're in trouble here just for doing right. Instead of this girl's masters caring about God and caring about this girl, they cared about their gains, the materialism that we see so much today. So this is some of the, the midnight that's coming for them and what caused it. And uh, verse 20, it says, And brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. First of all, I don't even think that was true. But second of all, I wonder in America what would be not lawful for us to receive being Americans, what customs rub people the wrong way as we live for the Bible. There's many things in the Word of God that people aren't going to like. They may even do this to us, who knows? Only because we're doing things that are God's way, maybe not the American way. Let's be willing to do that. Dark times don't cancel the opportunity for happiness. And then as we see in verse 22, and the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, beat them very badly, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And from everything I can gather from just hearing different preachers and reading different things on, on comments about the stocks, designed to stretch out their, their wrists and their ankles to inflict as much back pain with that freshly whipped, beaten back as possible. They're in agony. If, they had a, if anybody had a reason to complain, it was them. If anybody could have said, okay, enough, it's them. If anybody could have had inner bitterness and anger coming out of them and been justified, I think it would have been them in this point, at this point in the story. But as we see, as they set the example, we can sing even at midnight. Acts 16, 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. It's amazing to think as we quickly go through the rest of the story in just a bit, what if they hadn't sung? Think about it as we go through how much that would have impacted that. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not a singer. Well, that's okay, neither am I, but you can still sing. I think I'm on the specials list with my family next Sunday night, so you're in for a treat. No, uh, but uh, we can enjoy singing. But there's different ways to show happiness. But it's, it's really like Pastor John said this morning, he's holding back. He's got so much joy, so much excitement bursting out. It's going to show somehow. And maybe for you, it's not singing, it's something different. I think if they would have just boldly started verbally with words instead of song, proclaiming God's word and God's truth and just glorifying God, it would have been the same thing. They felt moved to sing, and that was awesome. They were willing to sing even during the darkest hour. They were willing to sing because God is good even when circumstances aren't. I'm often reminded of, of some quotes from the song Day by Day. I want to read verse 3 to you. It says, Help me then in every tribulation. So to trust your promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within your holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take 
as from a father's hand. And again, not everything is easy. Not everything is good. Paul and Silas are going through it right now. But they're able to sing because they know God's in control. They're able to sing because they know God can bring good out of it. And boy, does he. We'll get there in just a moment. They're able to sing at midnight in agony because they know they're going through it with God and that he's allowing it. We can see everything in our lives, the good stuff and the difficult stuff, the easy stuff and the hard stuff, the stuff that naturally brings happiness and the stuff that challenges us to naturally be happy because we have Christ with us. We can see all of those as coming from a father's hand, as things that he allows. It's uh, Job 35.10 that describes God as the one who giveth songs in the night. And sometimes it's not until you face that night, that midnight, that you know the special grace God gives. It always amazes me. This is an infinitely smaller example, absolutely nothing bad at all. But it always amazes me. I'm the most nervous, like, Sunday afternoons before I preach up here, something I do about once a month, but uh, not something I do every day or every week to preach to adults, uh, more comfortable naturally in front of kids and teens because it's something I do more often. But it amazes me. Once I get up here, nerves are pretty much gone. And it's nothing special in me. I can't give you speech tips if you're nervous in front of people. I got nothing other than the fact that this is where God wants me to be. And he, give us, he gives such grace, such peace in the middle of that. Now, this isn't, I'm not trying to compare, you know, tribulation to preaching. I, I enjoy preaching. It's a privilege. I absolutely count it as a privilege. But man, sometimes it's not until we face that difficulty with God and for God that we experience that sweet grace, that extra help. And sometimes we're missing out on the extra help because we quit at 11.59 and God was going to walk right through midnight with us, whatever the midnight was going to be. We can sing to God at midnight because God's the same at midnight as he was at noon. We can remember that he's in control, doing something good. We can sing before we know what God's going to do. Now, a lot of you know about the earthquake that's about to happen. Paul and Silas going to get, you know, freed and, and, you know, some salvation, some awesome stuff coming. Maybe you know exactly what's going to happen. And maybe you wish you knew in your life what was going to happen. Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, they could sing because they knew that it wasn't going to last long. No, they didn't. They didn't have the whole Bible back then. They didn't know what was going to happen. This was just happening. They were in the same spot as you and me. When we sure hope God sends that earthquake, sends that big deal, sends that big thing, but we don't know what's going to happen. We can sing to him. We can have that happiness because he's the one who's in control. Just want to look at this briefly before we move on. I love the fact that I think in verse 25, the key words are unto God. Now, I grew up, I probably, I grew up in the flannel graph days. Anybody else with me? I still like a good flannel graph. I'll be honest. I enjoy technology. Obviously, I get to be involved in, in some higher tech stuff around here. I love a good flannel graph. If you still have one and you don't want it, I'll take it. I love little David marching across there against big old Goliath on the flannel graph and the little rocks and all. I grew up on those days. And I remember, I'm sure I would have heard this story and seen it acted out on a flannel graph by, by one of my dear sweet Sunday school teachers when I was a child. And I've heard it preached on so many times, but the things that always jumped out to me were that they sang at midnight. And I would always wonder, how could they do that? But more and more, especially studying for this message, the things that jumped out to me are that they sang unto God. They didn't sing unto their circumstances. They didn't sing to their jailer or unto the other prisoners. They sang to God. 
Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. It doesn't say in Psalm 100 verse 2 there to serve your boss, your governor, your president with gladness. It doesn't say serve because circumstances are so good. It says serve the Lord with gladness. One writer has said, any man can sing when the prison doors are open and he is set free. The Christian soul sings in prison. He admitted about himself, I think Paul would probably have sung a solo if he had been Silas. That was what this author was admitting. But oh, to be like Paul, and no matter what, to be willing to sing at midnight, to have that happiness bursting forth. But here's one challenge, and this, this, kinda, this thought kind of really convicted me over the last several days. It's easy to think, okay, God, if you take me to midnight, by your grace, that special grace, I'll sing, I'll be happy, I'll have that happiness bursting forth. Probably not midnight right now. Is that happiness bursting forth right now? Because if it's not right now during better times, maybe it's a little difficult or maybe it's just real good. If that happiness, that joy, that wanting to point others to our amazing God isn't bursting out now, it never will at midnight. Paul and Silas didn't start talking, to God, talking about God at midnight. They were thrown in jail because they were witnessing for God. They were doing his work. That happiness, that joy was bursting out of them 24-7 almost. They just kept it going. Let's be willing to sing unto God during good times and difficult. We can sing not because he's necessarily going to make the circumstances easier. He will do that here, and he does do that for us so often. But we can sing because God's going to be with us. The, uh, I read this recently. The accomplished science fiction writer H.G. Wells, maybe you've read some of his books, he lived during the dark days of the Blitz in London, London during World War II. One evening, a fellow writer named Elizabeth Bowen found him outside shaking with fear. It's not the bombs, Wells told her. It's the dark. I've been afraid of darkness all my life. For many of us, it's not what is happening that scares us right now, even in our country and in our world. It's what might happen. It's not just what we see is coming, but what we think might be coming. No matter what happens, though, we can sing even at midnight, because God is with us. Things get better, things get worse. We can sing, we can praise God, we can have that joy bursting out of us. And finally, God is still at work, even at midnight. Let's keep the story going in uh, verse 26. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. It's life or death for him to keep those prisoners in. He figures he's going to be executed. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. God loves to bring help when we least expect it. Paul and Silas didn't know they were, that it was coming, but they knew God was there with them. Paul and Silas were able to sing at midnight because God was in control. And then God brings this miraculous intervention and uses it in amazing, amazing ways. And amazingly, their heart is not, wow, we can get out of here. It's to stay. I tend to think some other prisoners were willing to stick around because they saw something special in Paul and Silas's life. We know for sure as we continue into Acts 16 there that they were able to have a huge impact on the jailer. Again, imagine if they had done everything except having joy and happiness come out of their lives. Maybe they even didn't escape here. Maybe God still sends the earthquake. I don't know. But I don't think they get the chance to do what's coming. Because God often uses our darkest, most difficult times to shine the light of the gospel brighter to those around us. In verse 29, 
It says, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, the jailer did, and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Yes, it made a big impact on them that they stayed instead of fleeing. But he was already make, having a big impact made on him by the fact that they're singing. It was so out of character. There's something off with these guys. There's something different. It made them sit up and pay attention. Verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. They were able to lead his entire house to the Lord. And their circumstances did improve. And so often God improves our circumstances and he does great things. But whether we're there yet or whether it's still midnight, whether it's 1159, things are maybe getting more difficult, midnight and you're right there in the thick of the difficult, or it's 1201 and God's already showing you what he's going to do. We can sing because God so often uses those darker times to shine the light of his word brighter. As Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before, man, before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Recently read the story about a man who flew combat choppers in Vietnam. He was radioed to a secret mission one night which required him to fly in total darkness, totally by instruments. Hovering above a jungle under heavy cloud cover, he told the author of this uh, that it seemed you could cut the darkness with a knife. He radioed to his man on the ground and said, what can you give me? Any light? You know, what? I, I need something. The guy didn't even have a flashlight. The landing had to be so precise in a small postage stamp in the, the middle of the uh, jungle, so to speak. An air of five feet could crash the chopper and kill them all. Finally, the man on the ground said, I have a Zippo lighter. Just this little itty-bitty light. If I had one here, lit it, you, you could see it, but it's not making the room any brighter at all in all this light. The, the chopper pilot said, light it and hold it up. So in the middle of the jungles in Southeast Asia, on a top-secret warfare mission, a combat chopper pilot landed by the light of a Zippo lighter that pierced the darkness. Things may be getting dark in your life, but if you'll shine the light that God has, he can take whatever that light is, whether it's as small as a Zippo lighter or, or bigger than that, and he can use it in some amazing ways. By the way, amazing story. God can use your light and my light as we shine for God to do some things that are even more amazing. But are you shining the light now? That's been the challenge to me. And let me end with a silly illustration, and we'll be done. I've learned something as a dad. Playgrounds aren't fun. Now, don't get me wrong, I love a good playground. I've been out here, I commented to my wife this afternoon that I love that a lot of parents and their kids are being able to go after services and play on the playgrounds and gotten to talk to some of the parents and had fun with the kids. And uh, we've got the Wood Park is what the girls call Kids Place in Lexington, the, the place with the metal bridge in Waynesboro. I don't know the names of most of these parks, we just know what the kids call them. And uh, the Duck Park in uh, the place, the Duck Pond in Stanton there, Gypsy Hill, is a lot of fun. And we go from park to park to park a lot of times, sometimes even more than one in a day. Not, though, because playgrounds are fun. You ever go there by yourself, sit there and bake in the hot sun? It's not fun. There's nothing fun about a playground unless you take advantage of it. Playgrounds give the opportunity for fun. But if you sit on the sideline, they're no fun. If I were there by myself, that's weird. And I'll get weird looks, like, you ever see that one guy, and you're like, you got kids here? Because that's weird. If you don't, I I'm not going to be that guy. I, I want my kids there. But I love watching my kids. I love, they'll ask me to play tag, and, and we'll run around and play hide and seek, and I love the playground. But a playground only gives the opportunity for fun. Very simple illustration. But God has blessed us with so many 
things. He has given us the opportunity, every opportunity, to go through good times and difficult times with happiness. Just like a playground, though, can't make a kid happy unless they choose to get on and play. God isn't going to force us to be happy, isn't going to force us to have that joy bubbling out, to be in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time, as another kid's song says, to be happy and we know it. But he gives us every opportunity. If you ever at a playground and you see a kid sitting off to the sidelines by themselves, not having any fun, you almost feel pity for them, don't you? I actually figure they got in trouble, probably. But uh, if that's not the case, you're like, man, why aren't you playing? There's so much fun you can have. This is great. If you don't like swings, go on the slide. If you don't like the slide, do this, do that. Go, the girls found a park in uh, Harrisonburg that's got a zip line. They love it. Oh, it's fun. If you ever go there, good luck pushing that uh, merry-go-round. That was a workout. But uh, there's, there's so much fun, and you wouldn't want someone to miss out. How often does God perhaps look down from heaven and say, I've given you this, and I've given you this, and I've given you this, and I know this is difficult, but come on, I've given you so many blessings. Let's have that light shine, and let's have that happiness and that joy and that peace shine into the world around us. And we're sitting on the sidelines focused on what's wrong instead of being happy and joyful and enjoying the life that God has given us and enjoying so many blessings that he's given us. I hope we'll each spend some time as God leads us, remembering the good things that God has given. He's given us so much. Let's reflect there. And just like I said last month, I'm not in any way trying to downplay what you might be going through. Maybe I know about your situation. Maybe I don't. Maybe we know what's coming next. Maybe we don't. But we know who the one is that we're going through life with. So we can have that joy, that happiness coming out. If you're happy and you know it, we'll show the world around us how awesome our Savior is.